Massachusetts, and we are trying to connect with California, somewhere way across the United States, and I'm hoping that our guest calls in. If not, hey, how about this? Here's our call in number, 646-929-2451. If you know Eileen, if you know anybody, call us. Call me just in case Eileen doesn't show up. But let me read her introduction anyway. Eileen Ledon is an entrepreneur, mother, single mom, world traveler, and now traveler with her four-year-old daughter in her own RV. Join us as Eileen discusses her purpose, her dreams, and her new reality as she travels the United States in her RV alone with her four-year-old. She will speak about her plans to film a documentary about the growth of RV travel and life in the United States, how families and individuals are finding alternatives to living that heretofore never existed. The sociology, the families, the economics, and the lifestyles will be treated. Join us for a fascinating show. So I think I think either she forgot or... Did anything happen in California I didn't hear about? Uh, or maybe just Callie's giving her a tough time today. You know something? Duh. It takes a while for me to catch on, but I'm going to try to call her. Sometimes that works. Uh, in the meantime, what a winter here in Boston. Uh, but I told everyone, listen, this is coming so late that it is going to feel like nothing in a little while because It'll be over, which is exactly what happened. It was over. And uh, why? There we go. Let's do this. All right. Calling Eileen Ledon. Let's see what happens here. This on speaker. See if she forgot us. How interesting. Or maybe she called in at 11 like the uh, poster I made, the er erroneous poster. And uh, let's see, you can hear that? Can you hear that? That is the phone ringing to Eileen and me stalling. And we don't hear anything right now. Well, I hope she's all right. Hey there. Hi. You going to call in? Sure. We're waiting for you. Oh, okay. All right. Sorry. No worries. Call. You got the number, right? What is the number? 646. What is it? 646. Four six nine two nine two four five one. All right, great. See that? See, she's coming. She's coming. <laughs> oh well, you know the life of a host, radio host on Blog Talk Radio, Internet Radio. Uh, somehow is got to be a jack of all trades. You got to get people up out of bed and. Uh, get them back on. Don't forget, there's a three-hour time difference. But again, don't please call in if you're a friend of Eileen's or you just want to talk about anything. Uh, the number is 646. You just heard me give it out. 646-929-2451. And uh, I don't know what's taking her so long, but uh, we haven't seen her yet. But we will, I'm sure. What else? 
Uh, it's March or 19th. Can you believe it? This is what I was saying. Bam, we had a great winter. Oh, here she is. Aha. Okay. It's too bad I don't have my little applause box, you know, that little $15 toy you can buy at Newbury Comics, and I'm not even a host, but I'd give you a big round of applause right now, Eileen. Eileen. Oh, thank How are you, you so much. I'm fabulous. What did you do, forget? No, so, did I you forget? Did, I didn't forget. I was just wrapped up in, in my writing, and I just, the time went <laughs> by me. I'm sorry. I apologize to uh, keep No you worries. I, uh, I was hoping, did you see the poster I made for you? I didn't. I didn't. I'll have to. I'll have to take a look at that. Yeah, you'll have to go on. Uh, yeah, you'll have to go on Facebook to see it. I yeah, did I a use, good job. One com- oh, <laughs> I use one computer for my writing and one computer to go online because if I write, if I do my writing with like Facebook and other things popping up in the background, I get distracted. So the computer that I good use for my writing. Ha- no internet connection. <laughs> Otherwise, I get so good. distracted. Good, good, good. Well, let well, me I read you the introduction of the role. Okay. No worries. Let me read the introduction. Upbeat, Tom Hayes interviews Eileen Ladun and her RV life. All right? And then it says, entrepreneur, mother, single mom, world traveler, and now traveler <laughs> with her four-year-old daughter in her own RV. Join us. As Eileen discusses her purpose, her dreams, and her new reality as she travels to the United States in her RV alone with her four-year-old. She will speak about her plans to film a documentary about the growth of RV travel and life in the United States. How families and individuals are finding alternatives to living that heretofore never existed. The sociology, the families, the economics, and the lifestyles will be treated. Join us for a fascinating show. Wow, that is fantastic. And very flattering. Thank you. Very flattering. Well, thank you. So with with that, I'm gonna shut up and let you let you take over on what I just wrote. Okay. Um yes, I mean I've been traveling since November. Um I started in Boston and traveled um down the east coast into Florida. And spent some time there, um, meeting some great people. Where did you have the RV? Um, did you have it in Boston? Did you have the RV in I, Boston? I actually I purchased the RV in Florida, but I had it in storage in Boston while I closed up my apartment and and sold off as many things as I could. Um, you know, I mean the the I mean there's there were many reasons to, for doing this. You know, it all basically comes down to freedom, which is. What I'm finding that most people, no matter what other reasons surround their their reason for this lifestyle, freedom is the bottom line. You know, freedom from um, possessions, freedom from boredom, freedom from routine, um, wh- whatever it may be. You know, and, and it's um, it's a lifestyle that grows on you very quickly, just to be able to. You know, I have ties that um, that find you know typical Americans these days. Um, you know, and and you'll see that most people find that there came a time in their life where the balance shifted from where they they had possession of their things, and then their things took possession of them. And at that point, you know, either something spiritually or something financially 
um, took over, whether, you know, they were, you know, over their head in credit card debt or, um, you know, just like me, just longing for more out of life than just, you know, sitting in my apartment and writing, and which is great, but I just felt like I could do this anywhere. And, you know, and um, so one thing led to another, and, you know, and here I am. But it, I was surprised to find in my travels, I, you know, I what I expected to run into was a lot of retirees. And don't get me wrong, there are a lot of retirees out here doing this. But what was even more surprising was the rise in all other varieties of families that are doing this. Um, single mothers like me, single women who have either outlived their spouse or have never married and want to travel on their own. Um, there are families, of, you know, families with four, five, six children <laughs> traveling in smaller RV. My, I have a 31-foot Class B um, coachman, which, you know, me and my daughter live in and, I'd like to, I wish we had actually had a little more room, but, I mean, there are people with larger families living in smaller spaces, so I'm quite grateful for what I have. But, and how they, they just, you know, relish in this life and they, their, their, the closeness, the bonds that it brings to them, you know, the everyday living and survival and, you know, and they're living, it amazes me, they're living happily and their their kids are learning and learning about the world, and they're living on practically nothing. You know, this is not the life that I think when people think, oh, you know, you're going around traveling in RV, they think of retirees who have a pension and can afford to live, um, you know, off-grid. And But it, there's a huge movement of people who are doing this um, on a very limited budget. Some of them, you know, go where they have work camping, so they work as they camp. Um, and there's just so many other, and other people are like me. They're writers, they're artists, they're, you know, I do some photography. And, you know, as Tom had mentioned, um, we're very excited about this new upcoming documentary we're going to be starting um, very shortly. And um, and that will document some of the lives, these fascinating lives these people are living on practically nothing. Um, but their their lives are so full. I mean, they may not be rich in dollars, but they are definitely rich in spirit and rich in life. And it's just, um, it's breathtaking, really. Wow. And so where do they find work? Uh, Do they work for the actual camps they stay in? Some campgrounds, um, depending on, you know, where you are, you can call ahead. And some, there are actually websites you can go to that list um, campsites that allow, uh, you know, you to work for your spot or even earn a little extra money. I mean, the pay is very low, but, you know, it doesn't take much to, you know, to survive on RVing. Um, Myself, I have a membership for a camp, a camping club, so I basically have no rent. No, I don't pay any fees to camp as long as I stay in the the, uh, camps that are within my membership. And, um, you know, and that takes care of my electricity. How much? How much is a membership? Well, memberships can run anywhere from, and there are lots of different, you know, I belong to Thousand Trails, um, but there are many other types of camping clubs. Um, You know, for a brand-new membership in Thousand Trails, you could pay upwards of $12,000, which I realize is steep. However, that being said, a lot of people do what I did and buy used memberships, which means basically that someone had bought it, 
and they're not doing this lifestyle anymore either because, um, you know, they grow tired of it or, you know, there's sickness in the family or a spouse has passed away. So they sell their membership. You're allowed to sell your membership. So what I did was I bought somebody's 15-year-old used membership, which really doesn't mean anything. I get the same benefits that they did. It's just as good as it was when they had it. Um, I just paid a heck of a lot less money for it. Um, so if you're thrifty and you, you know, and there are a lot of groups on Facebook where you can learn about all these things. Um, you know, I belong to Full-Time Families, which is a fabulous group um, of other families who are doing RV life full-time. And they will help you with everything from, you know, learning how to um, homeschool your children or unschool your children, which is a new thing that I'm quite fascinated with, um, fix your RV or, you know, where to get the cheapest gas or where to, you know, find the best deals on clothes, food. They do everything from clothing swaps to, I mean, it's endless, uh, you know, resources that are out there. But it's because this, first of all, because of the Internet, communication is so much more available to people that are on the road. And on top of that, it's just um, the... I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought. Um, because of the Internet, there's... Um, I'm sorry, I lost my... <laughs> you have to excuse me. It's a little earlier here in California. Um, because, the, you know, with the Internet... <laughs> the Internet is available... The you can there's so people who are just doing this can get information so more readily and do this without all the mistakes that used to be had before. Had I done this ten years ago, you know, I probably would have run into many more roadblocks whereas today I can just go on the internet and there are groups of people who will help you, you know, like full time families, like Thousand Trails has their own groups. Good Sam's Club has their own groups and within the Good Sam membership there are charters. Um, there's a single, you know, woman's charter. There's a married over 50s charter. There's a, you know, uh, you know, gay lesbian charter. There's, I mean, it, it's just the population of full-time RVers is beginning to reflect the population of the United States, just as varied. You know, when you come into a park, yet yeah, probably still, you know, elderly retirees are still probably the majority, but that number is shrinking and fast. So what is the, I'm interested in this outschooling, which is, sounds to me like it's just like we're not going to do it. Well, yeah, you know what, I think that's the impression a lot of people get, and actually I confess that, you know, I thought, okay, unschooling, that's a cop-out, right? You know, if that's an excuse not to follow curriculum, and it's really not. Um, you know, unschooling is just, you know, not using a curriculum and letting the child um, discover, and how, you know, guiding the child, but letting them discover what interests them and, and, and kind of, um, you know, how feeding into that. So letting that grow. If they discovering, you know, science and nature is their thing, and then you would, but you're not following um, a curriculum from a certain state or commonwealth. You know, the, most homeschooled children who are on the road follow a curriculum from their home state. I guess, and, and even there, there's a lot of gray areas. If you're in one state for more than so many months, you're supposed to follow that state's curriculum or whatever. So a lot of parents spend a lot of time trying to make sure they stay on top of their curriculum. So at one point, the child can, you know, enroll in college, and it'll all be, you know, and the kids get tested, so they're all on, on you know, on point. Um, but, you know, that, the homeschooling end of it, 
um, is something I think that is becoming more popular in the United States in general, not just in kids, children who are living full-time RV life. Now, on the other hand, in the park that I'm in, for instance, there are kids who are full-time RVers who actually live here on an annual basis and go to a sticks, sticks and bricks school that is close by. So not all kids that are on the road are homeschooled. A lot of kids, if, if you know they're traveling but are going to be in one place for a long time, their parents do enroll them in a regular sticks and bricks school. So, but the unschooling thing, yeah, it's quite fascinating. And I actually, you know, I'm looking forward to learning more about it. I, I don't have all the information, and I think a lot of people do it very differently. And, you know, like anything, I'm sure there's some people that have used that term, but I think there are a lot of very good parents out there with good intentions who um, who, have, who are looking into this kind of education. And um, I think, you know, a lot of it has to do with because public school at this point, you know, people are realizing that they're, what they're teaching, a lot of it is wrong. It's not true. A lot of the history is not true. They haven't updated. They haven't caught up with science even. A lot of the science they're teaching is wrong. And people, so on top of, you know, having a family and struggling and trying to pay a mortgage and trying to, you know, and living this mundane, routine life, and then they see their kids are going to school and not learning, you know, what's real and true, you know, as far as science and history go, you know, they just decide to take things into their own hands and keep their family together and close, and um, and it seems to be working. And um, every day, there seems like more and more people, as I go on to my um my group site with full-time families, every day there's people, oh, we're getting our RV, we're going to be on the road here this time, that time. And every day it seems like the numbers are growing and growing and growing. Right now I believe full-time family membership is up to 800 families across the United States, which may not seem like a large number right now, but, you know, compared to 10 years ago, it, that number was probably very small. You know, so, and, 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 and that's just one segment. You know, there's a lot, I meet all the time, single women, um, even single women who are, you know, what would be considered elderly, 65 and over, traveling on their own, you know, hooking up their rig, towing a car. You know, at first I thought, wow, I'm being so brave doing this. But there are women who are almost twice my age doing the same thing by themselves. And so it's um, very humbling. And, um, you know, and, they're, and, they're, and the greatest thing about, you know, the RV life and, is it's like you, you automatically join this club of RV people who are always there to help you. I've never gotten stuck in a situation where I couldn't get help when I needed it. Um, the people, everybody's happy. They're doing what they want to do. They're either on a permanent vacation or they're living the life they want. So people are happy and energetic. You don't run into a lot of miserable people. Um, I mean, it's just great. It's great. I mean, I don't know how long I'll do this for, um, for the foreseeable future anyway. But um, it's definitely an experience that I'm glad I took a huge check mark off my bucket list. That's for sure. And so, how do you feel it's impacted your um, your your psyche, your feelings, your you? What what oh, are the big wow. changes well, you've seen? Yeah, I mean, well, <laughs> you know, when I first started out, you know, my family was very unsure of me doing this. I think they thought I was a little nuts, you know, and who could blame them, really. But, um... Well, what part, um, was, 
because I know a little bit about because I know a little bit about you. When you talk about your family, I mean, for for a long time, I mean, you know, there wasn't, you know, with your siblings, etc. There was a time that was, you know, there wasn't a lot of contact. So you're talking about that family, or you're talking about your daughters, or? Well, you know, my daughters initially, I think, just kind of went along with it when I started talking about it. And I think they really never thought I was going to go through with it until they actually saw the RV. And then they're like, oh, you know. And then my <laughs> family, <laughs> my my extended family, whom I hadn't heard from in years and years and years, who didn't call us on holidays or birthdays or, you know, send birthday gifts to my children or even make a phone call to see if we were breathing, they all started to come out of the woodwork and um, begged me not to go. And I just thought, well, this is just crazy. Like, why? Like, you know, so I, I, and I really don't know if even today I grasp why all that happened. But, you know, the minute I purchased the RV and brought it to Boston, as far as I was concerned, that was it. I was on my way. There was no turning back. And, and I was excited and happy about it. And it was hot. And I think, a lot of people experience this because I read it all the time online that, you know, their families don't support them in their decision. They think they're crazy. And, you know, because it is not the norm right now. You know, it, you know, there's, uh, on the, uh, kind of a cousin to this is the tiny house movement, you know, where people are going from living in these, you know, big houses. You know, it used to be the bigger the better. Those with the most toys wins or those with the most cash wins or whatever. And now people are realizing that's not what life's about. You know, life is about living and family and and seeing the world and whatever. So living in a smaller space and having less things affords you the time to do that. So, you know, my family just, um, they didn't get it. And, um, and at first my daughters kind of, you know, really dug their heels in and said, you're crazy, you shouldn't do this, it's not good for the baby. But now they're they're totally on board. Now that they've come and visit me, they come to the parks, they see that I'm not in some, like, trashy campground, that they are, you know, I'm actually staying in an RV resort with, a you know, a hot tub and a living-sized swimming pool and a, and a gym. And, I mean, this is not, you know, the camping that we did when they were kids. You know, it's um, it's a little bit more upscale than that. And so it, it's a nice lifestyle. And I'm in, now I'm in California, and the weather is fantastic. I miss all that snow in Boston, and I'm so happy about that. But um, my extended family, um, they really haven't come around. You know, I don't, and I don't know if they will, and I don't know if that's just, you know, they came in and they gave you their best shot because they thought it was what was good for my children or whatever. But, you know, I had to think about me. I had to think about myself. And I, the bottom line was, if I had sat in my apartment writing for one more year, I probably would have died, and if not physically, then emotionally, because I just I couldn't bear it anymore. I was taking my daughter to daycare in the morning, dropping her off, screaming, crying. She hated it there, um, then picking her up at 6 o'clock and, um, and just going through that same machine over and over. And I, she was not thriving. I was not thriving. And, you know... We had tossed up the idea about moving and, and things like that, but nothing really. This just seemed to be the answer to all my, all my questions, and it just. Um, and I don't regret it, not for one second. I don't regret any of it. You know, I don't regret the rig that I bought. I don't regret leaving. Um, you know, my children, my two older daughters, um, have finally come around, um, and 
it, for my, I have one one middle aged daughter who's in college in Boston. For her, it was a you know kick in the butt out of the nest that she needed, and um, and she's doing fantastic, much better than I even expected. You know, and it, sometimes I think it's parents that we have to, you know, do the hard thing, you know, tough love kind of thing. And I had definitely had to do that with her. But now she's grateful. And um, and I think you've had a similar experience, if I recall. So my psyche is just fantastic compared to what it used to be. I wake up every morning to sunshine and warm weather. Um, you know, and I meditate and I exercise and I go out and I talk to people. You know, as before when I was in Boston, I spent most of my days in my apartment writing. Now I can sit out at my picnic table with my computer out and wave to people as they go by and breathe in the fresh air and the sunshine. And, you know, and if I get bored here, and, and then I just pick up and go somewhere else, you know. And then that's the fantastic part of it. I'm actually, I'll be heading off to Palm Springs soon um, for a couple of weeks, you know. And, you know, and, and my daughter just learns along the way, you know. Uh, we, we work a little bit with her. I work a little bit with her every day. She's four years old. She can already write every letter on the alphabet. She paints and draws every day. You know, we we talk about science, and there's, there's so much stuff online. I mean, she's not even at the age for a curriculum yet, although when she does become of age, I, I have decided that I will enroll her in a curriculum. Um, but, you know, it's... Um, the life experience, what she is learning, is so far beyond anything she could have gotten in a traditional public school or preschool or daycare or learned on TV. She's getting it hands-on, live, right in front of her. And that's, it's, it's priceless. It really is. You know, and I'm not saying that this is what every family should do, but, you know, for those out there that are have contemplated it, I think it's worth, worth definitely worth looking into and investigating, and um, because it really is something that can really bond your family together. Yeah. I remember um, somebody I forget what it was I was listening to. They had uh, been selected to be on a reality TV show, and it, what it was was a family living in a cabin, by you know, um, similar to what had. Uh, occurred during the big migration west and uh the father was a multi multi-millionaire who owned a mansion and they said you know he said well what kind of adjustment was it for to live in such close quarters just this one room cabin he said it was amazing how we bonded as a family we were really a family and he says and when that was over everybody we went back to the mansion and now i don't know where my kids are because one is up yeah. night, one might be up in her room, which is you know a, a story and you know six two le- a level and six or seven floors uh, rooms away. Uh, she may be down in the uh, the little movie theater we have, or she may be out with her friends, whatever. So that tightness, that um, connection, uh, was gone. So. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> well, you know, my my feeling about a lot of the uh, new society that came from uh, all of a sudden uh, career was, I call it career versus kids. Right. And when career became, when career became more important than kids, then we are starting to see all of the problems that we have right now. So, 
um, obviously, you know, you, you've made your, your child, and most importantly, it started with yourself. Now, I can see, you know, I'm a big fan of Steve Jobs and how the dots connect, because it, it was the only thing that made sense to me that as I, and he says, you can never see how the dots are going to connect from this point forward. You can only tell from now and looking backward. And this evolution came from, because I know you, came from a real journey. The first journey was inside. That That's for sure. I, I mean, that's so what, do you want to tell, tell a little bit about that, how you started to connect with yourself and how this all evolved? Well, um, let's see. I mean, we want to go back, I mean, I don't know, even know how many years ago, maybe five or six years ago, maybe even longer. Um, you know, I always, I grew up Irish Catholic, and, you know, I went to church, I received First Communion, I was confirmed, did all those things, and, you know, and tugged along that big suitcase of guilt with me everywhere I went, and, um, you know, went to confession and did all those things, and, you know, but something just, something inside of me, even as a child had always been there, saying, you know, something's wrong here, something's not right, you know, we collect these. I just remember, you know, going into church when I was little, around, I think it was around Easter time, and they give us these, these what they called rice bowls, and you were supposed to fill it with pennies um, to give to the poor. And then, you know, right before Sunday school, we go to Mass, and we all bring in our little boxes filled with pennies. And I remember walking into the church and seeing there was some gold and brass and, and this big building. I mean, we were, we're I grew up poor. I would love to the project. So I'm thinking, well, why are we bringing pennies here when they have, like, all this land and all this gold? Why don't they just sell all this and feed the poor? I mean, it just seems so hypocritical to me. And, you know, with all the land and everything that the the, the Catholic Church owns, and then they're asking us poor people to collect pennies? And I know we're poor on a, you know, on a scale that, you know, isn't measurable with how poor people are around the world, like in India and China and those places, you know. It's it's not comparable. However, I just felt this, you know, and then the whole, you know, gay thing and, you know, how, you know, on one hand they're teaching us Jesus loves everybody and Jesus, um, you know, you know, you, you should, you know, turn the other cheek and all these things, but yet they banish people who are divorced, they banish people who are gay, and I'm like, well, that, you know, was also very hypocritical to me. You know, I just, um, so eventually, anyways, I was lucky enough to meet this wonderful guy, Tom Hayes, who handed me this book um, by Emmett Fox called Sermon on the Mount. And um, and the beginning of, I, you know, it, it's the book that changed my life. It was the beginning of everything. When I read that book, I was thinking, this is, this is, this is the truth. This is the beginning of the truth, anyway. And then from there, it just snowballed into, you know, The Secret and all those other things. And and, and now I'm, I am like a spiritual junkie, I guess. I, I don't know. So I am very spiritual. I am not religious. I don't believe in organized religions, although I believe it does have its place. And it does serve a lot of people, um, especially people with addiction and things. They do AA meetings. And there are a lot of good things churches do. So I don't, you know, I don't say I hate the church or anything else. I mean, I, and I don't judge anybody who belongs to church, but I just, um, 
I just see beyond that. And then, and so that started a growth with inside of me, you know, and, and the desire to find out who I really was. Um, you know, I, I spent my life going from one relationship to another, always being part of somebody else's life and never really discovering who I was and what I really wanted to do with my life. And, I, and you know what? Today I still really don't know. I don't know if there's one specific thing. I mean, I know at heart, and I'm, a, I'm an artist. I'm a writer, I'm a painter, um, adventurer, and, and many of those things, but I don't think, you know, there was one thing particularly I was born to do. And maybe there were things I just haven't discovered it yet, but the great thing about, you know, as I transition through all these phases, learning how to meditate, and and I decided that at one point I decided that, you know, being a part of a relationship with something I didn't want at, this, at that point. So I decided to just be alone for a while. And it's still been a while. <laughs> going on four years now. A little more than four years. But I, doing that, I discovered so much about myself. And and that kind of led to this journey that I'm on now. And, and, and just the knowing that, you know, before when I, you know, before I discovered all this, and, you know, every day was, worry. Every day was, you know, oh my God, how am I going to pay the next bill? Oh my God, what what kind of job am I going to get? What kind of, how am I going to take care of my kids? How am I going to, you know, and now every day is an adventure. Every day I wake up and go, okay, what what am I going to do today? I can write if I want. I can paint if I want. Um, I can go out and do some documentary work. I can, you know, I mean, there's still bills to pay. Um, but, you know, and I'm not always sure when the money's coming in. But it does when it needs to. Um, I do have tons of faith in God and the universe or whatever divine power is out there. And it seems to save me every time. So, you know, uh, it's just, I, I don't even think I'm the same person I was seven years ago. And, you know, and, and my and my kids say that. I mean, I, and they don't say it in a good way, unfortunately. You're not the same as you used to be. <laughs> Because back then I was a slave to them and I catered to them and now, you know, they're adults now, so I'm kind of kidding. I still take care of my four-year-old, of course, um, and I'm raising her a little differently than I raised them to be a little bit more independent and self-sufficient. Um, you know, I wish I had done a little bit more of that with them, but there were other unforeseen circumstances that they went through in their life that they had to kind of grow up fast. But, you know, it's... um. I hope that, you know, through the documentary, I hope, you know, my my goal with the documentary is not to tell everybody that they should, you know, get in an RV and drive across the country. That's not, the point is, is to find the freedom in your life. Find, get freedom back into your life. Get reconnected with your family, with your immediate family. If not, I know a lot of people these days are not close to their extended oh, family. Oh, come on, but, Eileen, it's all about career. Come on. <laughs> Tell the truth. I mean, I don't know. You know what? I mean, the bottom line is, I've never been. I even even before I changed into who I am now, I was, you know. And I don't judge mothers who want to work. I mean, it's not what I would do. I realize where. But the thing is, is that people say this all the time. Oh, we have to work because we need your income. Well, you you have to work because you need your income because you have to have that apartment because you have to have two cars because you have to have these clothes, these shoes, these things, and you don't, really. So you choose the life you want. 
Yeah, people don't realize there's real choices, are there? They shut themselves there up. There are real choices. They're living a life of no choice. Yeah, I mean, this is what I want to show them through the documentary, is that you do have a choice. You can sell everything that you own, get in, you know, it doesn't, get a cabin, get a small house, get a, you know, get an RV, do something, even if it's just taking an extended vacation with your family and see what you're missing because the real joy in life is in people, not in things. It's not in stuff. It's, it's a, the real joy in life is freedom. You know, what this country was founded on, which is so lost and gone, you know, I mean, with the, you know, the government, by the way, Good does thing. not like people who live this lifestyle. <laughs> but part exactly. Of one, because you're like you know, in fact, please don't divulge your location because the authorities will be on their way. You saw the Matrix. Yeah, Those maybe. guys in sunglasses. <laughs> yeah, well, you know. They're coming. I mean, when you go and you, you, if you ever get an opportunity to camp in Texas, um, people there will swear that they're spying, you know. And they, I, I met this couple who had this converted bus. It was, um, they, they had, um, so if you can imagine like a Greyhound bus, and they converted it, and the, underneath where all the luggage would go, they had put in this gas tank that was monstrous, so monstrous that they could get from, Florida to the Canadian border without ever stopping to gas <laughs> in this monster of a bus. And they also had, like, a hiding place under there, like, because they swore that the government was after them because they were living off grid or whatever. You know, and I think that's a little far-fetched. The truth is the government, you know, there's only really three states that you can have as a home base that will allow you to do this kind of life. That is South Dakota, Florida, and Texas. And even Texas is kind of iffy right now, I think. But, um, you know, and as you, if you want to do this life, you'd have to, you know, figure out which state works best for you and you'd have to register your rig there and, and kind of call, call that your home state. Because, you know, a lot of people, do, you know, it's not comfortable. It's not a comfortable idea to think, oh, my God, you're living on the road. You know, you're take, taking your children out of school. Oh, my God. You know, I mean, it's foreign. It's so far from... But yet it's like where we came from. It, it, going back to the, you know, the great migration west, the great, the gold rush, and where people took their families in stagecoaches and, believe me, went through much more treachery than I did crossing the country because they wanted that. They wanted that family life. They knew that it was important. They knew that freedom was important. They knew, and that is so lost in our terrain. It's just so lost. And, but it, it's not gone it's lost, but it's not gone. It's still here. You can still get it. You can still have freedom in your life. You can still be close to your family. You don't have to be a slave to a job. You don't have to be a slave to your car, to your apartment, to your house, to your mansion, to your boat, whatever, whatever toys you have. Um, and we still have toys. We have bicycles. We have flat screen TVs in here. We, you know, I have my Vitamix. I have those. We have our little luxuries, but, you know, they don't own us. You know, they don't own our day. You know, we can still go out and do what we want every given day. And that, that's freedom. That's freedom. Okay, now tell the people all the meds you're on, really. It can't be meditation. It has to be med. You're, you're really crazy. Come on, this is all delusional because it's all about the 401K. It's all about your credit score, your health insurance, and your 401K and paying your taxes. Come on. Get real, oh, Eileen. I wish, you know, but the bottom line is I don't even drink alcohol. 
I really don't. I don't. I'm high on life, really. I'm, and it, I'm and it, totally. I know you. I'm, I'm high, being totally I'm high facetious. Off of sun, sunrises and sunsets, fresh air, warm weather, and people meeting other people, like other people who get it. Other people who what are they, you know? Come on, Eileen. It's all about self reliance and independence and being alone. Come on, let's get with it, Eileen. What's happened to you? Well, I am independent. <laughs> I am independent. I mean, people would say and, I'm crazy. Uh, again, I'm being facetious because, as you know, those are the big war cries. Those are the big battle cries. Be alone. Yeah, I mean, be yourself. You don't need other people. Yeah, and, and that's not where mothers who are her, who are living. Um, you know, on Section 8 and slave to a job and their kids in daycare and, and they hate it and they're stuck and you know what? And I feel for them, but there are ways to get out of it. There are ways to get out. Beautiful. You know, not not Beautiful. every rig costs, I mean, you don't have to have a rig that costs $100,000. I don't. My rig is, what, 12 years old. There are people who drive around in rigs that are 20 years old and they fix them up and, you know, people there are swap meets where you can get the parts you need and, I mean, there's always a way. If you want it bad enough. Yep. And listen, unfortunately, this is fabulous. We've only got a couple of seconds. What do you want to say for this? Because we're going to do this again because you've just begun. So what do you want oh, to absolutely. say to people today? Um, so what do you want to say to today? We've only got a couple of seconds. Take some time and think. Take some time and think about your life and what you're doing and if you're truly happy and if your family's truly happy and decide what's important in your life. Exactly, and even better than that, feel. <laughs> All right, yeah, great. Yeah. Let's um, let's do a wrap because they're going to shut us off. Fantastic job, okay. thank you, and you'll thank come you, back. Thank you, Tom. Let's... Thank you, everybody. All right, bye, Eileen. Bye. There you have it. And all right, I'm going to uh, play a little music that'll take us off in a second here. And it, it's called "Start All Over" with Dave Cause and Dana Glove. And I guess that's what's really happening.